Good morning, and thank you to those voices of St. Simon's Presbyterian for that stirring anthem this morning. So this morning's text comes from the Gospel of Mark. It's the ninth chapter, verses 2 through 9. Listen now to the word of the Lord. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with him except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? God, send your Holy Spirit. Send it now into our hearts, into our living rooms, onto our desktops, that my very human words might point to your glory, that our very human hearts might wrestle with the divine this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So there's a book that I read a few months ago that I haven't really been able to shake. It's called Wild by Cheryl Strayed. It has made me a want, be a wannabe hardcore hiker. Cheryl was in her 20s. She was grieving the death of her mother. Her life was in shambles. Her relationships were a mess. Her drinking was out of hand. And her life purpose was hazy at best. She decided to do something completely crazy, but utterly transformative. She hiked the Pacific Crest Trail from the Mojave Desert through California and Oregon to Washington State alone, with no backpacking experience whatsoever. She had seen a brochure in a hardware store and she just committed. She researched all the equipment from REI, comparing and contrasting their pros and cons. And just before the hike, it hit her that she had this fancy equipment and she had no idea how to use it in the real world. But she set off to do this thing anyway. She sweat, she froze, and she stumbled beneath her ginormous pack for months in the solitude of the wilderness. She scaled the Sierra Nevadas with a backpack she deliriously and affectionately named Monster because she literally staggered under its weight. 
through snow and sweltering temperatures, she just kept moving. Blistered feet and worn down spirit, she bravely continued forward, always forward. She encountered bears, snakes, frogs, deranged men, and vast stretches of no water. Why would anyone undergo such hell voluntarily? Cheryl had questions, and she had emotional baggage swirling around in her life as she embarked on a trip that would lead her up mountains to encounter who knows what. But she hoped it would be of benefit. She hoped it would bring healing. She knew the mountaintop was calling her. Cheryl's powerful memoir on her midlife hike immediately came to mind when I read Mark's rendering of Jesus' own midlife hike. Today's text tells us of how Jesus has also heard the mountain calling him. After many episodes of healing and the feeding of the 5,000 and the draining endeavor of foretelling his own death, it is time for a hike. There are 16 chapters in Mark's gospel, and the transfiguration occurs about at the midway point, the very beginning of chapter 9. Jesus has climbed plenty of mountains before in his life, and he will go on to do more healing and more teaching before he reaches the valley of the Garden of Gethsemane and finally arrives at the base of the final mountain called Golgotha. But the scaling of this mountain of transfiguration is smack dab in the middle. If the beginning and the end of Mark are ground zero and the inner pages climb and fall, the peak is right here at the mountain of transfiguration. So a third mountain is called to mind for me this morning. It is the mountain that has been the year 2020. This time last year, we didn't know, blessedly, that we were at the base of it. We didn't look up to see it looming all monstrous and insurmountable at Lent of last year. It kind of came out of left field, like the backpacking trip for Peter, James, and John. We found ourselves being led up a mountain by ourselves. The isolation has been really intense for many. I wonder if the disciples were anything like me this past year, thrown onto a trail I wasn't prepared for, didn't even have time to pack a real backpack with REI equipment, much less adapt to the terrain. Huffing and puffing, grasping at podcasts, and long runs, and long prayers having a random jolt of energy and optimism about the journey, only to be met with sudden exhaustion and a desire to sit down with my head between my knees on a stump, just for a few breaths. I think the reason I want to address the journey uphill on Transfiguration Sunday is because without it, I don't know that the disciples would have seen what they saw. Something about the schlep up the mountain, the grueling terrain, the willingness to suffer a little for the sake of the splendor that waits for us. 
something about that tenderizing of our spirits needs us into a sort of submission that lets us receive, that lets us experience and be. Cheryl writes about her intentions on the Pacific Crest Trail. I'd set out to hike the trail so that I could reflect upon my life, to think about everything that had broken me and make myself whole again. But the truth was, at least so far, I was consumed only with my most immediate and physical suffering. Since I'd begun hiking, the struggles of my life had only fluttered occasionally through my mind. Why, oh why, had my good mother died, and how is it that I could live and flourish without her? How could my family, once so close and strong, have fallen apart so swiftly and soundly in the wake of her death? What had I done when I'd squandered my marriage with Paul, the solid, sweet husband who'd loved me so steadfastly? Why had I gotten myself in a sad tangle with drugs and men I hardly knew? These were the questions I'd wept and wailed over when I packed for my trip, excavated in excruciating detail in my journal. I'd planned to put them all to rest while hiking the PCT. I'd imagined endless meditations upon sunsets or while staring out across pristine mountain lakes. I'd thought I'd weep tears of cathartic sorrow and restorative joy each day of my journey. Instead, I only moaned, and not because my heart ached. It was because my feet did, and my back did, and so did the still open wounds on my hips from my pack. Is it strange that I want to know about Peter, James, John, and Jesus's quad muscles? Were they ready for that climb? Were their minds filled to the brim with their bodily bumps and bruises as they journeyed onward and upward, ever heading on in the direction they were going? The gospel writer Mark doesn't say much about the trip up, but it's not inconsequential to me that the story of the transfiguration happens like countless other stories in scripture on the peak of a mountain. One doesn't just arrive to the top as smoothly as Mario scales obstacles with the, but, the button B on the controller. Ben has been playing a lot of Nintendo at our house. The list of holy moments on peaks of mountains often gloss over this bit. The bit of getting up to the top of the mountain. But to me, it's important. There was an awful lot of sweat and work, both mentally and physically, to get to the top. Peter, James, and John follow Jesus up this mountain, and y'all, they make it. They kept one foot in front of the other. I'm assuming Jesus let them have water breaks until they reached the summit. We have been keeping on and keeping on with no idea the size of the mountain, just journeying onward. Cheryl's lungs seared and her feet bled on her way up. The disciples likely endured all the normal and excruciating sensations of an impromptu hike up a mountain. And recently, bodies around our globe have been racked with the signs of illness, cough, aching chills, and feverish exhaustion 
while we continue to put one foot in front of another on this trail that feels so foreign and uphill. We're used to using our cognitive abilities to crunch numbers or analyze spreadsheets, explore theological doctrine, or to chase the next good idea or the next moment of clarity. So the sensations of the body sometimes startle us and they bring us back home. They're a jolting reminder to pay attention to the path, noticing where we are. I have found myself theorizing plenty of times that we have been hit not only with a global pandemic that makes us scratch our heads and pull out our best science equipment, but we are living in a time of swirling angst. Maybe the actual physical aches and pains of our bodies in the population around us has triggered what may have been ailing beneath the surface of the skin for quite some time. The virus has kept us from hugging and gathering and visiting and schooling and grieving together and worshiping. It has shut down restaurants and watering holes and gyms, even the masters. It has shaken up life as usual. But what has broken forth and billowed out of those cracks in our daily living is fascinating. Maybe because we've been forced to pay more attention to our bodies, the other things we haven't spent time addressing explode outward. We find ourselves facing what lies beneath the surface. The aching caused by a canyon-sized gap between the haves and the have-nots. The unrelenting pain of injustices in our systems. The fear that comes with the changing of power. Are we, as a modern world, going through our own version of a midlife hike? We were not primed and trained for this hike, but at each painful juncture, we shuffle forwards to find another foothold. So the camera is set up on the top of this rocky ledge at the peak. The Netflix series entitled Transfiguration has a whole crew up here. Boom mics waiting in the wings for the entrance. We see the top of Peter's dusty bald head as it bobs into view and the tip of his hiking stick sways with his dragging gait. Yes, I can see the top guys. I can see it and you won't believe. James and John can only nod between pants as they hoist themselves up onto the crest. All three lay splayed out, a similar view to a modern-day marathoner crumpling into the grass just past the finish line. They are exhausted to the point of hallucination. The heat sizzles on the surface of the rocks, and it shimmers like a wave hovering just above their heads. Hey, where'd Jesus go? He was right here. Lifting their heads to scan for Jesus, they see, they see it happen. In Matthew, Jesus' face shines like the sun. In Luke, his robes are brighter than a bolt of lightning. In today's text from Mark, Jesus' clothes dazzle beyond the power of human Clorox bleach. The gospel writers struggle to articulate what so clearly evades words. What happens on the top of that mountain is blinding 
It is striking. It is brilliant. Peter, James, and John get a glimpse of what is unseeable and unintelligible. It is pure, raw mystery. What happens on the mountain stays on the mountain. The transfiguration doesn't make too much sense to our minds. But the sense that something hugely holy and life-changing is palpable. It doesn't compute in our brains, but it really does a number on all the physical senses. All five of Peter, James, and John's senses were bombarded. There was dazzlement, bright light, a thrumming cloud that overwhelmed them, a booming voice from the heavens, a feast for their eyes from the vista at the top of the mountain, and a shimmering ghost-like appearance of dead and gone prophets. What happens when our bodies speak so clearly to us that something is happening that is true and real, but our minds can't quite grasp it? When our brains can't catch up or even get on board? When it doesn't fit any other experience we have ever had? Our brain doesn't know where to file it. It's new. It's foreign. It's scary. It's easier to actually disbelieve our bodies after a while. Maybe that didn't really happen. But deep down, you know different. It's something you can't explain. You just feel it. Whether the hike is up the mountain to the transfiguration or on the Pacific Crest Trail, or through a global pandemic, the inexplicable and sometimes sluggish forward momentum is akin to what Beekner calls faith. Faith is less a position on something than a movement toward, less a sure thing than a hunch. Faith is waiting. Faith is journeying through space and through time. Jesus hiked a mountain in the middle of his ministry to encounter the same booming voice of God that lovingly embraced him in the waters of his baptism. And the chat with the prophets who had come before him, Jesus needed reminders at this place in his life, sturdy pieces of truth about where he came from, who he is, and how he will keep the energy and the passion to keep going as he journeys to the cross. It's a beautiful place, terrifying too, up on the top of that mountain. It's so close to heaven, you breathed in the fog of the clouds. It was so close, in fact, that sweet Peter suggested they just set up camp and stay. Just stay up here, guys, feeling the love of God and the closeness of the meaning of it all. Just set up some tents. Peter, so completely the voice of our humanness that begs to make a trophy of the transient. To stay on the mountain when the call was and always is to keep going. Broken open is an okay place to be. Rattlesnakes, maybe. Riots and protests, sometimes. Grief in hospitals, yes. 
Parental patients rubbed paper thin with the incessant questions of tired children. Mm -hmm. A fatigued Messiah and baffled followers plodding along through sickened crowds up to the summit of the holy. When the trek up the mountain is tough enough, we arrive at the top in the useful posture. Bent over, tired, and desperate enough to receive the help we really need for this journey. Suffering is shit. But from that place of tenderness and humility, we can glimpse the very face of God. <laughs>